I thank Pastor Tim and the church for welcoming me here today and, uh, and asking me to uh, do a study on the fruit of patience. Now, I'm only honest with you. When uh, Pastor Tim called me and said, yeah, I want you to you know, talk about doing the, the fruits of the Spirit, and, we're, we, and he asked me to speak on patience, I'm like, gosh, you know, out of all the fruits, that's why I probably... That's the one fruit that probably hasn't been fully developed in my life. <laughs> I've been serving the Lord for 30 years. I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm speaking on patience. She had the biggest kick out of that. I said, you're the most impatient person I know when you're going to step up with these people and try to tell them, uh, give them an instruction on patience. She said, that's really funny. So she's had a big, fun kick out of it. So then I said, well, maybe I should pray about it. And I'll be honest with you, the Lord started showing me more stuff that what he's actually shown. A lot of things I'm going to be speaking on tonight is actually he actually spoke to me. And so I'm just sharing what he spoke to me about regarding me, okay? Um, so I'm going to start off by just reading the scripture where it's found, Galatians 5, And it says, this is NIV, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. And I was talking to Pastor Tim when he, when he initially called me a couple months ago and asked me to speak. I said, you know, in my opinion, I feel that the fruit of the Spirit is really just a fancy way of saying spiritual maturity, growing in the Lord. And the Lord compares spiritual maturity to a fruit tree that is growing and producing fruit. Now, I did some, some little research here. I just took like the orange tree. My dad had a house in Florida at one time, and he, he, he had an orange tree in his backyard. Do you know from the time you take a seed of an orange tree and plant it in the ground. And you plant, like say, if he just took an orange a seed of an orange tree, plant in the ground, and so how long does it take that seed to be fully grown where you can actually eat an orange? It takes 15 years. Wow. Now, if you all of a sudden, the, the tree may be grown, it might be pretty big and produce small oranges, but if they're not mature, it's most like, have you ever had fruit that isn't totally ripe? It's either gonna be sour, bitter, hard, it's not right. So the Lord really just started showing me as far as my life goes. He said, you know, I did, I did everything the opposite way. Most people will go to like a ministry school, a seminary, Bible school for a certain amount of years, and then they graduate and then they minister. No, it's the total opposite of me. I got saved when I was 21. When I was 22, I started a youth ministry out of my church, and I didn't know anything about the Bible. Did youth ministry for 20 years, then left the youth ministry, and then we did school for six years. So, I had, so ministry to me was very rough because I was never trained. I, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I definitely wasn't mature. And none of the fruits of the spirit were really, really fully grown in my life at all. Um, and what I had to do is I actually had to learn how to minister without being fully grown. In other words, people, I was expecting that people that picked the fruit off of my life that was bitter, that was hard, that wasn't fully grown. And a lot of times people, especially people in church, especially the small churches, you know, you get people in and you need, you know, you know I need somebody to do the children's ministry or youth ministry or sing in the worship team. And, and you know, you want to, and sometimes in order for ministry to go and to move, you have to put people in places where their fruit doesn't totally grow yet. And what happens 
Yes, you know, can God still use them? Yes. Can they still experience some fruit in their ministry? Yes. But it's going to be harder because they're not really strong yet themselves. Does that make sense? And that was me for 20 years. Okay. Um, oh, my gosh. So that's, and out of all the fruits, what I lacked the most was patience. And uh, I remember Stan coming to me years ago, and he said, Brother, the, the, horse, the biggest problem with you is you're the most impatient person I know. And my wife tells me all the time, you're the most impatient person I know. And finally, I'd admit to it, yeah, I think I'm the most impatient person that I know. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's more patient, impatient than me. And, um, but I said, Lord, I want to... So in these last six years going to school, I've realized... I didn't realize how much there was to learn until I went to school. So <clears throat> I've actually watched the Lord grow areas of my life. And I tell Stan all the time, I said, oh, man, I, I, it seems like every week or at least every month I'm learning something. I'm thinking, oh, and I remember how I didn't know this when I was in ministry. I'll refer, I'm thinking, man, I really wish I knew this 15 years ago. Wow, I would have never made that mistake back then. I look at my ministry now for 20 years and thinking, oh, I, I know the Lord blessed it and some good things happened to it. One day, Stan's here, so he got saved. Something, something good that came out of it. But um, I see nothing but mistakes. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, Lord, what could I, what could I have done now if I've taken what I've known now and, and go back in time when I was 22 when I started youth ministry and start all over? We could have done so much more for the Lord. So anyway... But I'm going to move on from that. I wanted to bring up a scripture here in Romans 8.29. So it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And that's what I believe. Conforming to the image of his Son. In other words, becoming like Jesus is spiritual maturity. What does it mean to grow, to grow in the Lord? To become more like Jesus. Because Jesus didn't lack in any of the fruits of the Spirit. He's the ultimate example. All the fruits of the Spirit are demonstrated in his life. You can just read the Gospels, and you can say, you can just look for the fruit. He was just very, very patient. He was, um, he was very, very he was full of love and joy and peace, everything, self-control and goodness. All, those, all the fruit of the Spirit was fully developed in his life. Okay? So, and spiritual maturity, growing in the Lord, should be our top priority. Now, I'm going to say something, and i I didn't check with Pastor Tim saying that, so I hope I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm just going to be my, if, if you disagree, if he disagrees, just, just disregard everything. Yeah, take it off the tape, you know. But, um, but, but uh, for years in ministry, uh, I'm going to say this before I, before I move on. For years in ministry, I was so focused on getting these teenagers involved in ministry. And so I, we taught a lot, you know, taught the kids how to, preach the gospel in the streets, and we'd take them to Sunspot Ministries in Ocean City, walk up and down the, the boardwalk of Ocean City, and pass out tracts, and we used to do these, uh, I don't think they even have them anymore, but it used to be called these dramas, you used to call them human videos back in the day, where they would just do these little certain plays and all, uh, out the sand, and good crowds to gather around, and they would share Christ, and I was so concentrated on a move of God, we just need a move of God, a move of God, a move of God, a move of God, I come from a traditional Pentecostal church, and if you've ever been around Pentecostal churches, all, all they, the language they use all the time is, did God move Sunday? All they want to know is, did the Holy Spirit show up? That's all they want to know, because that's all that was emphasized. As the word of God and spiritual truth was, or spiritual growth was a lot of times took a back seat. 
They really weren't as focused how much you're growing in Jesus. We just want to move a God on Sunday morning. And if God showed up and the power of God moved, then that's great. That, that, then, all right, let's hope that happens again next Sunday. They was never really focused on becoming more like Jesus. Okay? And, but when you read the Bible, it seems like they were so focused on growing in the Lord. You know, especially the New Testament church. I mean, the, 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 the first church, if you read... That they were, people were constantly devoted themselves to, to, to the apostles' teaching and preaching. I mean, they just absorbed themselves into the teaching of the apostles. And the reason why you want to listen to what the, the apostles said, because these people walked with Jesus. They knew him personally. So they're just repeating what Jesus said, repeating how Jesus responded to different situations. And um, so, in my opinion, the fruit of the Spirit is, should be more of our focus than the gifts of the Spirit. You know, I would rather have 10 people who are dedicated in developing the fruit of the Spirit in their life than 10 people who's ignoring the fruits and just want to run towards the gifts. Okay? Because I'm going to tell you why. The gifts of the Spirit, you're out and say, say if God has, gives you the gift of prophecy and you're running around and say, okay, I have a word for somebody and God showed me this and God showed me that. So you're just constantly in ministry. Well, as soon as you guarantee you, you start being used by God, Satan's going to attack you. And you're going to feel discouragement and all. Well, if you don't have those fruits developed, guarantee you're going to fall into discouragement. People quit the ministry. People quit walking with the Lord. Why? Because they have, their foundation isn't solid because they're not, grown, because they're not strong in the Lord. So when I, I talk to so many people, talk to so many churches, and I hear... A lot of things that people do and, and, and people has left churches and the church we're involved in right now has been through three splits. And I'm not even involved there. I sit back in, in, in the shut up and three, three splits has had. The church we came from, the state I went to, went through two splits. And I see so much, but a lot, of, a lot of what I see is a lot of people just don't have a good foundation. They're not spiritually mature. I hear, I hear what they say and I'm thinking, that's, not, that's nowhere near uh, uh, what the Bible says. And it's like, I don't know, I think in today's churches, and I'm not saying this church, I'm talking about in general, hope everybody understands me, you know. In general, um, I can even look at my own ministry of 20 years, spiritual maturity wasn't the focus. We just want to move of God. So, how did Wednesday night go? Oh, man, guess what, man, the power of God moved. That's all that really mattered. And then there's people in your church that's been there for 20 years and haven't one bit grown in the Lord at all. Okay? So there's something wrong. You should always see a spiritual growth. You should look back and say, you know what? I handled that. If I handled, like you should be going, if you go through a situation now, a rough time, you should be able to say, you know what? I feel a strength in this. If I went through it five years ago, I think I would have handled it so much worse. But I've grown to become more like Jesus, and I've learned to shut my mouth and pray. You know, just an example. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. You should always, you always should be able to look back and say, I guarantee you this happened to me now. Like, they can be like, oh my gosh, man. I could have handled it so much better now than I could have done it then. Oh my gosh, you know. It's a sign of growth. And if you're like, hey, I haven't grown anymore. I don't know any more about the Bible now than I did five years ago. That's your fault. That's not the pastor's fault. It's your fault. I, I learned a long time ago that I am not depending on any church, any pastor, any leader growing me. I'm responsible to becoming more like Jesus. I'm responsible. The pastor will encourage me. I can learn something from the pastor. I can learn something from my friend Stan. There's only one. When I stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, look, Bob, you have a pass because your pastor didn't teach you right. 
No, 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 no. I had the same Bible and pastor hats, okay? So anyway, let's move on. Becoming like, I, just, I, had to, I had to go off my little rant there for a second. Everybody knows where I'm coming from. You know, you can tell, believe me, 20 years of ministry, I just, I just want to slap myself across the head. Now I say, man, you could have done so much more. Um, anyway, the fruit of patience. What is the fruit of patience? Now this is the things the Lord was showing me about my life, okay? Number one, patience is trusting, simply, trusting in the Lord. Trusting in His ways and His timing. See, the Lord will, will work things out according to His timing, and He'll do it His way, not our way. You know why? Because our ways are most likely, in the long run, going to get screwed up. I don't know how you feel, but if I take back my life and start making decisions and say, Lord, you're no longer making decisions, I am, guarantee you it won't take long before I'm going to have a train wreck. Okay? Because we're not all-knowing. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Right? We, we see through a glass darkling. We think we have it figured out. We have no idea where we're going. You know? So I, it's totally surrendering to Christ. Totally surrendering to us. Like, Lord, whatever you want to do, how you want to do it, and when you want to do it is perfectly fine by me. I put my trust in you. When you start questioning that, that means you stop trusting him. And now you've taken your life back. I'll make my own decisions now. Well, that, that isn't being patient. So, and I'm, I can promise you this, doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. Once you surrender to the Lord and say, I'm going to trust you, uh, most of the things he does in your life is going to take a while to get here. Because just like a tree, remember, the Lord is not in a hurry. So there's none of us here can take a seed, plant it in the ground, and tomorrow eat the fruit. That is absolutely not going to happen. We're going, we plant it, and we just, okay, in time, at the right time, I'm going to enjoy the fruit. So in order for people to enjoy the fruit in your life, Sometimes you need to grow. I had the, the pastor of the church of the school that I, that I was attending, now I teach at, told me, he said, you know, he goes, I found, he goes, you know, something he told me a couple years ago, he said, man, I'm, I'm finding a strange thing. There's a lot of people who are really never pastors or so, maybe just, maybe they're saved and involved in the church, but God's calling a lot of pastors who are now 50 or 60 years old to pastor churches because these are the guys who's been seasoned their spirit, their, their fruit is ripe, and God, and it has wisdom. And God's getting them, calling them either back to be either senior pastors, associate pastors, or playing big roles in churches. And he said he's seen that. He said he's seen that across. I said, well, I just turned fifty last year. I don't know if I'm part of that group. I'm not really sure, you know. But uh, again, whatever the Lord wants to do with me is is up to Him. But patience is trusting God and His timing. Um, it's fully surrendering, like I said. And it's not easy to do because everything God does, he's looking for the long haul. Um, and I kind of look at it as raising my kids. Now, my daughter is 24. She is married uh, to a, an outstanding guy that is, is beyond our... Uh, it was, it, he was, the, Lord, the, the Lord blessed my daughter with a, with a son-in-law for us, which is greater than I even expected, even though I prayed all my life for him. I just, it's just phenomenal. He's... Uh, I told my daughter, I said, look, um, the husband you get, you want to find somebody you marry, he was going to be more in love with Jesus than he is in love with you. 
that if he loves you more than Jesus, there's a problem. That's going to, that's going to, lead, to lead to another train wreck. Well, that's exactly what happened. She met this good gentleman. She said, um, she said, Dad, this guy has more convictions than I do. I said, well, that's music to my ears. But then I found out that he does. And he agreed with a lot of things I agreed. He had a very old-fashioned way of looking at things. But let me tell you something. I began praying for her future husband when she was still a baby. He couldn't even walk. And she didn't meet him for 18 years. Okay, so... You know, but that's something you just, you just pray, 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 and trust the Lord, trust the Lord, trust the Lord, guard her. I was very strict with my daughter, and Stan can tell you that. I was known as the anti-dating youth pastor. When I told kids I'm about to speak on dating, they actually, some of them I don't think wanted to be there because they know what's coming. So, um, and, uh, but I, it, it was a protective thing for me. I wanted to protect these girls and sort of run around, jump around from God to God to God to God to God. You know, you just wait for the Lord's best. And um, so I knew that I told my daughter, I said, you wait. Don't, you don't need to run out a 14, 15-year-old. There's no sense of a 14, 15-year-old girl having a boyfriend. Why? They're, you know, you're not getting married to them. The Bible doesn't even support that kind of relationship. I mean, every, every time you read the Bible, it's always talking about your wife or your husband. There's no romantic relationship with no uh, commitment. That doesn't, that's not even biblical. And, uh, but my daughter, the reason I'm bringing all this up, my daughter decided to trust the Lord. I'm bragging on her. Trust in the Lord, and the Lord brought her a gem. That's who she married. Now, my son's 18. All he's worried about doing is playing baseball right now. And uh, I, said, you know, I said, don't worry about girls. God will give you the right woman. You focus on your schooling, going to Dell Tech, do your baseball, focus on the Lord, of course, and just see what God works out. And so far, that girl hasn't come. He's, got, he's been interested in a couple of girls, but they weren't interested. And they almost said, don't worry about them. That's not who God wants you to have. At the right timing, in the right way, be patient, and the Lord will bring you the right person. So the fruit of patience is trusting the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. But there you go. It's leaning not on your own understanding. Leaning not on what you think and what you think you figured out. It has nothing to do with what you figured out. What you figured out is you don't, it's going to lead into a train wreck your way, so let's give it to God and you'll be blessed. But it may take some time to get there. Okay? Um, and something, one other thing, just kind of keep in the back of your mind. We've been talking about being patient with the Lord. Hey, here's a, here's a thought. Has the, pa- has the Lord been patient with us? But thank the Lord, He's impatient. Because I would deserve to be wiped out a long time ago. I don't know about you, but I don't even deserve to be staying up here behind, behind this pulpit. I've screwed up and messed up and had to be convicted so many times by the Lord. He's been very patient with my spiritual growth. He's been very patient with me and my... Inpa- He's been patient with my impatience. Does that make sense? So, He's patient with us. We have to be patient with Him. Um, and something else I want to bring up, just a little side thing, and these are just little things. It has nothing to do with your church. It's just, just things I've noticed over time. Make sure that what you're trusting the Lord for is found in God's Word for your life. Not simply because someone spoke a prophetic word over you. I am not against prophecy. be honest with you, I, taught, I just taught a two-week prophecy course at the, my school. I'm not against prophecy. I'm against prophecy that is claiming to be God and it's not. And there's a lot of that out. There's a lot of wannabe prophets out there and a lot of people think God speaks to them and then 
Maybe he does, maybe he does. I don't know. I'm sure there's, there's, some, there's some real stuff, but there's plenty of phony baloney stuff. So if someone comes to you and says, uh, you know, the Lord wants to do this in your life, and that's a totally, it's one thing if someone comes to you and gives you an encouraging word of what you're already doing, and you feel peace in your heart, fine. Someone comes to you and, and, and says you're supposed to have a complete life change. You've got to switch churches, switch ministries or something. Um, those are the things is, is you have to really pray for. The Bible says to judge all prophecy. And um, how I would, what I would say, if someone ever comes to you and gives you some life-changing thing, you, you talk to the Lord, you talk to your spouse, and you talk to your pastor. Okay? And um, so don't ever, like, almost really, really waiting around for this prophetic word spoken over me. Now, the prophetic word should, should be basically a confirmation of what the Holy Spirit's already told you. I don't run around looking for prophetic words. I spend enough time in prayer, enough time in the word, the Lord can speak to me. So if someone comes to me and gives me a word, usually I should feel peace. Instant peace. Say that's what God's been showing me. But if God's been showing me one thing and someone gets a prophetic word that's totally against it, already I'm suspicious. So the Holy Ghost can speak to me. But let me say, if it's of the Lord, let's say, let's talk to our pastor about it and talk to your husband wife about it. If you don't have to go right straight to the pastor and pray about it. But make sure that what you're trusting the Lord in I'm giving you an example. I'm trusting the Lord to save my unsaved family. Well, that's biblical because he wants all men to, 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 to get saved. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't want anybody to perish. So, of course, if I'm trusting the Lord for my family to get saved, when I say my family, I'm not talking about my wife. I'm talking about my, my mom, my stepdad, my, my real dad who was an alcoholic did get saved uh, the last 10 years of his life. He was serving the Lord before he passed. So I did see... That come to pass, but I'm still, my, my sister is, uh, I don't even want to talk, I'll take her, that's, she's a mess. And my mom's a sweet lady, but just, just, they just, they think I'm crazy going to church and serving the Lord, that type of thing. They, they uh, anyway, but I'm trusting, I pray all the time. And my, my wife, her, her mom and dad and her, her whole family, none of them are, are saved. So um, we're praying. So, um, so just make sure that, what you're praying for, what you're believing the Lord for, is found in God's Word. God's Word, that's like this. If someone may give you a prophetic word, but, and maybe some of it, maybe all of it might be from the Lord, maybe just a portion of it might be from the Lord, might mean maybe their opinions mixed up with it, but God's Word is 100% God's Word. You don't have to worry about, well, man, maybe it's Paul just giving me his opinion. No, this is all 100% word for word, God's Word. I can always trust the scriptures, okay? There's no doubt in there. You don't have to, you know, pray and see if this scripture in Philippians or, or Psalms is right. No, it's all right. It's all God-inspired, okay? Um, next is, why is it so hard to grow in the area of patience? Um, does anybody have any, does anybody have uh, anything want to input? No? Unless, unless every one of you are patient, and I'm the only impatient person up here. I can understand that. I understand. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, that's actually number one on my list, what you just said. You know what I wrote down? In today's society... We're so used to, to achieving quick results. If we want information, guess what? We have the internet. Right now. Quick, quick, quick. I'll let you know right now. I mean, how many times have you been staying and talk to someone? They'll go, 
Man, what was that person's name who starred that movie? Hold on a second. I'll let you know when, you know what I'm saying? It takes longer to type in the thing, or, or I guess if you want to do like the kids do, talk to Siri, Siri, where, 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 they can just spit it out the answer for you. It's even faster than typing it in. I don't ever, I don't ever do that. That's so strange, me talking to my phone. But my kids do. Uh, well, whatever. So, uh, maybe I'm old. I don't care. So, uh, <laughs> Amazon shipping. B&H Photo is in New York. If I buy something from them today, uh-huh. I, it's reasonable for me to expect it by tomorrow. Yeah. And there's a Chinese American comedian who was joking about Prime now. Uh huh. He said, he said, I don't want Prime next day. I want Prime now. <laughs> Yeah. Say it into my phone, and I want you to put it in my hand. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Now. Yeah. 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 It was he's on point. Yeah. And he was essentially saying exactly what you're saying, exactly what a comedian. Uh huh. Making fun of us. Yeah. For how amazing we have it. Oh yeah. He said in China we had nothing. Mm-hmm. And we were grateful. Yeah. Here in America we have everything, and we're miserable and complaining. Yeah. And that was one of his major cultural mm-hmm. observations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a cultural norm. Yeah. We're just, yeah. So, considering then you have me, who is just naturally impatient, living in a world that's not used to being, you know, it's, that's why it's so rough with me. And um, something else I want to just, just to describe me a little bit, and a lot of it has to do with just my personality and my makeup. You know, my, my dad started in the late 60s a swimming pool service company that uh, I did not want to run, but the Lord told me to run it. So my dad's, my dad's passed now. My wife's been, and I have been running the business for 20 years. And we basically service in-ground swimming pools at the Delaware beaches. We don't install them. We service them. A lot of my customers are just wealthy people that own houses everywhere. And believe me, if you can own a house in Rehoboth Country Club, um, yeah, you just got money. And um, so, and... Uh, I brought that up just up to tell you something else, but uh, anyway, but uh, it'll come back to me in a second. Uh, what did I say that for? Patience. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. I, I'm gonna think about it in a second here, but um, yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, that's right. Thank you for telling me that. That's right. Say, there you go. That's that's a word from the Lord right there. <laughs> Help me out. Um, I didn't want I didn't want the uh, the business. I didn't want it. And um, I got stuck with it. So uh, for 20 years, we've been running the business, my wife and I. It pays the bills. It's not my passion. My passion is ministry. Um, but I'm doing it. Where I am, so I am used to with the business, all right? Just let me explain things this way. People will pay us money to open their pools, clean their pools throughout the season, and then winterize their pools. And then they're done. Um, they're used to showing up on Friday night and everything being great. They got people cutting the grass. They had people come in and clean their house. They had people come in and clean their pool. That's basically it. They probably had people, they probably get there Friday night. They probably had people washing their car. That's just the people just have money. They're just used to getting things done. And um, so I'm used to going to a job. The pool's dirty. No problem working hard. It's nine degrees outside. I'm cleaning the pool, testing the chemicals. Done. Result. And then 15, 20 minutes later, the pool is clean. I go home. All my grass is, is, is high. Bring out the lawnmower. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Work really hard. Sweat. 
get all dirty, but guess what? What's the end result? Instant result. Guess what? It's done. Um, so I'm used to, I'm sure we all are, used to putting a lot of effort into something, but, seeing, but immediately seeing things good. My car gets dirty, I'm going to go wash it. Guess what? It's a, the, the end result. But that does not apply to ministry. Because in ministry, you can work your tail off and sit back and go, wow, things seem worse now than they were before I started working. You know what I'm saying? It's like the harder I work, the worse things get. I should have just not done anything at all, and maybe things would have been better. Or um, i tell you what would happen to me. Was, um, like I would have no problem. Um, I would, and I was a volunteer youth pastor. I was not, I didn't get a payday dime. I had a, we had a youth event one Friday night years ago, and um, we had several churches come. It was on a Friday night, and this one guy popped in from Salisbury, and he brought, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 kids, and he's like, man, this looks really great around here, man. And I said, yeah, and he said, oh, this is exciting. He goes, man, how long have you been doing this? And at the time, I had been a youth master for, uh, almost 20 years. It was probably like 18, 20, 18, 19 years at the time. And he's like, man, I hope they take good care of you around here. It's a good care. What the heck are you talking about? I said, bud, this, all this you see here gets funded by my swimming pool company. It costs me money to be the youth pastor here. Everything you see is, is donated for my business. So I said, this church doesn't give me a dime for anything. And um, so I'm just used to going and, and working, 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 working. And I'm like, all right, Lord, well, we had an event. We, had, we brought this group in to do some assemblies at the school, and I would just boom, boom, boom. I'm like, let's sit back. Now I'm sure we're going to have 50 kids get saved, and, everybody, and everybody's going to be excited. And sometimes that did happen. I'm not trying to say that everything we did was a failure. I'm not, I'm not trying to paint that. But it never really got the, the results we wanted to, to do. And, and I realized that's what was so hard for me. I'm so used to working hard and seeing the results. But it also doesn't work like that sometimes with spiritual growth because remember, it's a tree. And you can look at the tree all you want. You can even put miracle grow on it. Nothing grows. The only thing that grows overnight is weeds. You can cut the grass and it can rain all night long and then be nine degrees. And by the time you get off work, say, man, I feel like everything I just did is all right back to where it started at 24 hours ago. I mean, grass and weeds may grow that fast, but, but a tree... God didn't compare us to grass or weeds. He compared us to a tree. So another thing, another thing I wrote down here, not only is it uh, we're so used to having quick results is the reason why it's so hard to grow in, in patience. Number two is uh, it's people. I don't know how, how you feel, and, uh, and I'm no better than anybody else, but people can get on our, on, uh, our nerves. You have anybody have a person in your life that just plain gets on your nerves? Um, <laughs> um, some of us, maybe all of us, have uh, had to put up with people's attitudes, their words, their actions. God tells us to love people and be a light before them. Um, but it can be hard at times. I was reading my notes here. They will all try our, pa our, our patience. Um, but guess what? God will use, and this is one thing he spoke to me. One day I was cleaning a pool. And this was like a couple of days after, it might have been the day after Tim called me. And the Lord told me, I don't know what I wasn't even thinking about doing. I wasn't even thinking about the whole patience thing. The Lord's like, told me, said, he says, I use hard-headed people and hard situations to develop the fruit of patience in us all. 
So I guarantee you, if you're saying, Lord, I want to grow in the Lord. I want to grow in you. I want to grow in patience. I want to grow in these fruits. He said, okay, well, he's going to allow the devil to send a problem your way. That's how it gets done. As soon as you start saying, I want to grow in you, Lord, I want more of you. Is there I want more of you? Oh, you want more of me? Okay. I'm going to send two or three hard-headed people that is going to cause you to beat your head against the wall. And you want to slap them, but you can't. You know what I'm saying? That's how it is. Or maybe the person you've always had problems with and you thought was getting better, now it's all happened again. So he uses hard-headed people and tough, hard circumstances to develop patience. Because it's when you bite your lip and you shut up and you're like, Lord, I'm just giving it to you, praise you for everything, and just, and just allow God to develop. It's a slow development, but it's a necessary one if you want God to maximize uh, the potential he's put in your life. Um, number three, why it's so hard to grow in patience is it requires us to die to our flesh. Okay? Um, when we bite our lip when people upset us, when we don't slap the people that we want to slap, and I, I'm not staying in a friendly way, I hope, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, although that's probably true. But anyway, but it, it's, you know, it causes, it, it takes great humility to love our enemies and to praise God through all situations. Jesus is to love your enemies. And there's a reason why he said to do that. Love your enemies. He's the, it's not only for their benefit, but yours. Um, you know, and we also have to be something else. The Lord dropped my spirit. We have to be patient with ourselves because there have been plenty of times I've gotten down on myself. It's like, man, I'm making the same mistake. I found myself in the same spot. And the Lord's like, no, you have to be patient with yourselves and realize we're all human. And uh, no matter how much drive and passion you have for the Lord, you're going to make mistakes because we're human. There is no one in here is, is uh uh, able to prevent yourself from doing stupid stuff. We all make mistakes. And, um, and it can be very frustrating with ourselves and people, but just wait on the Lord. There's a scripture out there that is very hard for me to do. It's like, Lord, I need strength just to do this scripture. And I'm guarantee everyone you've heard of it, and I'm going to give it to you. Psalm 4610. It's a hard scripture. It says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. In other words, when you want to go crazy and run away from something, be still. Be still is hard, one of the hardest things for me to do. Now, I'm not talking about what Pastor Tim did at the beginning here. Let's have a still time and pray. I'm not talking, he's not talking, the Lord's not talking about praying for five, ten minutes, being still. That means be still in your spirit, be still, don't go anywhere, stay your out, be still, and watch what God does. Um, there's another scripture, Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, remember I told you God to God a timing, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So it's be still, don't give up, be patient and wait for the Lord. You know, not being weary and uh, do not be, uh, it says, let's not become weary in doing good, that's patience. Be still, know that I'm God, that's patience. That was the hardest scripture for me to ever apply to my life. I heard it years ago, I read it, I said, Lord, I'll huh, be patient be still. How can be still? I got too much work to be done for me to be still. I never really realized it's being still in my spirit and trusting Him. Um, and one other thing I want to read before uh, my before I'm finished here is, and I'm not going to read this in the Scripture because it's just too much. But there's a guy in the Old Testament, every one of us know, named Abraham. 
And you can read Abraham's story in the chapters of Genesis 12 through 25. It takes up a lot, big portion of the, of the book of Genesis, the life of Abraham, the father of the Jews. But, and uh, a lot of this may be a little repeat for you all, but I'm going to share it anyway, those of you who don't know. Abraham was living in a town or a region or a city named Ur uh, thousands of years ago. This is definitely an area north of Israel. And the Lord told him to pick up your family and travel down to the land of Canaan, which is now currently Israel, okay? And which is hundreds of miles away. He's never been to Canaan. Um, have, you know, we don't even know how the Lord even appeared to him, because this wasn't like there were any Christian people back then, I mean, at this area, this very pagan society. But somehow the Lord was an angel, who knows? It doesn't really matter. All that really matters is that he obeyed the Lord and he left his, what he's always known, his city, his family, friends, business, whatever they did, picked up and traveled to the land of Canaan, which he's never been before. So, and he was 75 years old when he left. So he wasn't a young guy. Um, his wife had never had kids. He had servants. We now had a little bit of money. And he travels to the land of Canaan. As soon as he arrives at Canaan, short time afterwards, a big famine hits the land. So you would think, all right, it, was a, it took a good, big sacrifice. I'm just put, putting this whole story in my eyes like if I was Abraham. I said, this is a big sacrifice for me to leave everything I know and to travel to this place that I don't know anybody. Uh, it was very undeveloped. Strangers may not even spoke the same language. You know, maybe they did. I, and, and you would think, okay, as soon as he arrives, I'm sure he was expecting a major blessing as soon as he arrives. Oh, no, no, no. It got way worse. So sometimes we're thinking, oh, obedience to the Lord means we're going to have this instant blessing. No, as soon as you rise, a famine hits the land. Now, that wasn't what caused him to question the Lord. So then he picks up all his belongings and people with him. And he had to go all the way down, hundreds of miles and some more, to go to the land of Egypt and stay there for a while. And, you know, then eventually he goes back to the land of Canaan. And you know, I'm not going to go through all the details of his life. It's a lot of crazy stuff happened. But it took, from the time he left Ur, when he was 75, it was, oh yeah, by the way, God also told him when you go down to Canaan, you're going to also, I'm going to bless your descendants. And, and Abraham says, descendants? I don't have any descendants. My wife is barren. I don't have any kids. How can I have descendants? Guess what? He goes and moves down there. It was 25 years later when he had 100 years old before he had his first kid named Isaac. And that was the beginning of the Jewish people Okay, which is basically the whole Old Testament. It's just really just a, you know, a, a documentary of the, the Jewish people and their ups and downs in their walk with the Lord. And they became God's covenant people who he made a covenant with. But it took 25 years before God fulfilled that. So just to let you know, and I talked about how growing in the Lord and developing fruit in lives is a is a, it, God's always interested in the long haul. He's not interested, okay, I'm going to drop something in your spirit and you need to be strong by next week. 
No, he's looking at you all right now. He's looking years in the future. I want you to grow and be obedient now. And I, have ble- I, I do have upcoming blessings for you. But the long haul is the Lord's always looking at the end result. He's looking at what's, what's the end here. When he told Abraham to move, that was the first step of obedience to a great work that God was going to do with the Jewish people. I mean, out of this Jewish people, out of Abraham's, uh, uh, out of his uh, descendants came Moses, the great Moses. They came uh, King David, and eventually came Jesus himself. It all started from one guy who was willing to listen to the Lord, obey the Lord, and then while he did it, he had to be extremely patient with the Lord because nothing God said happened immediately. He just walked in obedience no matter how hard it got. And Abraham did his job. His job was to leave, obey, and have a kid, and that's it. That was it. That's the part he played in the whole story. You know, um, His descendants would have larger, uh, a more glamorous uh, uh, parts to play, but it all started with one man's uh, obedience to, to the Lord and, and, and his great patience for 25 years. Um, and my final finishing thoughts is uh, this. Remember that we are all stewards of God's kingdom. It's not about us. It's not our kingdom. It's not our church. It's not our anointing. It's not your gift. And it's not your ministry at all. This church building we look at has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. We're servants, stewards. We're here. To, we need a servant attitude. Our attitudes need to be, all right, Lord, here I am. What part, where, if this is the church you want me to go to, great. What part do I play? Uh, and if I just have to be a doormat for the Lord, people to step on, I'll be the doormat. Whatever you need me to be. If you want me just to be faithful, I'll be faithful. If you want me to teach, preach, pray for people, it's your ministry. And the gifts that you've given me are the gifts that you have given me. Not that I deserve them, not that I've done anything to achieve these things. I just, I receive them with gladness and I'll use them to the best ability and, um, you know, just have, have, just have to have a servant's attitude. And last thought is we cannot rush God. Remember, God grows the patience in us. We just have to apply patience to our lives and, apply, and be willing to trust God through all what happens and be willing to grow. And, uh, and what I would suggest us all to do is, I'll tell you what I do. Of course, you know, I, I pray and, of course, I listen to worship and I go to church and all that. But what I personally do to, uh, now you could say, well, Bob, you went to Bible school. I said, you don't need a good Bible school to grow the Lord. If that was the case, then, then everybody, uh, then, then, you know, you would have Bible schools everywhere if you had to go to Bible school somewhere to, to, to grow in the Lord. What I would recommend to do is, um, unless, unless Pastor Tim has given you something, if he does, then fine, as a church. If not, take a book out of the, like the New Testament and just break it down verse by verse. Buy Bible commentaries and said, you know, I'm going to tackle a book in the Bible and I want to know everything about that book. That's what I've been doing. Um, even when I was going to school, I, I just tackle books. I'll, I'll buy myself a big pad of paper from, from uh, like a binder of paper from, like, uh, from Walmart and I'll write on it uh, Hebrews. Wound. I have, let me think, I have eight Bible commentaries. And I, what I'll do is I'll say chapter one. And I'll read chapter one. Man, then I get all my Bible commentaries and read all the notes on every one of them. I want to know the background. Who wrote Hebrews, which 
No one even knows. Maybe that's not the best. How about we flip and say Philippians? <laughs> no, Paul wrote Philippians. Uh, all right, who were the people at Philippi? What did they believe? What was going on in their church? When did Paul start this church? What happened here? What was his relationships? What were the struggles they went through? Why did Paul even have to write him a letter from prison? Why did he have to write him a letter for? What were their struggles? Then you go up and go, oh, okay, they struggled with this, they struggled with this, okay. Or Paul may even encourage this, encourage this, encourage that. You study it, study it, study it, study it. And let me tell you something. The more you know, the less likely you are going to be falling to a prey of a lie. Okay? Satan will lie to you and, put, and send people to lie to you to get you off track when you don't know. If you don't know the truth of something. Like, I don't know how to work on an engine. I got a truck out there. One of you knew, if you knew mechanics real well, can give me a bunch of, feed me a bunch of crap on, oh yeah, man, this is what happens to this engine. I'll, I'll go, mm-hmm, I have no idea if you're telling me the truth or not. Okay? Now, if you go to a swimming pool and try that stuff, I'm looking at you, you're crazy, man. You have no idea what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because I've done the swimming pools for 30 years. I know what, I know what happens here. I know which way direction the water goes in. I know what the chemicals are supposed to be. I know, I know that because that's what I know. Okay? You, so I need to say, you know, Lord, I don't want to know my profession more than I know the Word of God. So I'm a study. I eat this stuff up. So study it, you know. And um, a lot of people just jump around the Bible, and I know all these scriptures and focus on all these little scriptures. Focus on one book at a time. Devotions. Yeah, there you go. Devotions is good. I've, been, I've actually been allergic to devotionals my whole life. Really? It's just like a little paragraph. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Throw that away. Read mm-hmm. your Bible. Mm-hmm. A whole book at a time. Mm-hmm. Chapters. Like dig in. Break there. it down. Mm-hmm. You're speaking my language. Right yeah. Now. No, I, I, dude, I, I have absolutely. I love. I've always loved the the word. But people read Bible chambers instead of reading the Bible. No. Yeah. hmm I, I talk to people uh, all the time, and uh, I just, I just, I told Stan, I said, I just can't believe that. How many people, um, I can understand someone's only been in church for a couple years, just got saved, okay. But there's people who have been in church for years, man. And they are totally clueless what the Bible teaches, what the Bible says. <laughs> clueless. I'm like, how long have you been serving the Lord? You've been serving the Lord longer than me? You don't even know this stuff? It's just crazy. I have absolutely, I'm going to be honest with you, I am totally in love with God's Word. And one thing that's happened uh, is people have asked me, what, you, what have you learned in six years of school? You know what I learned? That I don't know anything. <laughs> I thought I knew something before I went in there. I've been a youth, I went in there so cocky. I've been in youth ministry 20 years. Huh, I wonder how much. I, I bet you I can teach this my, my stuff myself. Oh, I was full of myself, boy. First year, I said, hmm. Okay. By the time I came to the Baxters, I felt like I needed to get saved. I was listening to these people I'm thinking I've never heard that before in my life I feel like I've never even read the Bible before by the time I came to the Masters I said Lord I, I don't even want to teach anything I don't feel I'm so underqualified to do anything for you I, I'm serious it, it humbled me out and uh, now I'm just so hungry for God's word and uh, I don't listen to many preachers anymore I really don't my, my time um, I'm actually teaching a three-week course on the Acts of the Apostles, basically the book of Acts, in January. So I've already broken down the whole book once, but I've gotten some other commentary since then. So I brought up my old pad of paper that says Acts. And I said, chapter one, brought my new commentaries 
and say, no, you tell me something, I don't, maybe some stuff, some background information I don't know, and I'll go, and I'll, oh, wow, okay, I never looked at it that way. And some stuff I agree with, some stuff I don't, but I'm just hungry for information. I want to grow, and, and it's just, it's unreal, my hunger for God, and it's drew me. I used to think the only way I can draw close to the Lord is prayer and worship, and that's it, and maybe fasting. I tell you, I've never really looked. I always thought that God's Word was just basically just instruction, it was like the non-exciting stuff. I'm going to tell you something. I've actually felt God's presence in my life every day since I've been absorbing His Word, because it's His Word. And his words aren't like my word. I can say something standing about his football team, and we're all joking laughing. He can say something about my crappy football team, and we all can joke. But when God says something, and God's words are it's a seed, and it goes in, it grows and changes us. So my words aren't God's words, okay? So that's why I don't listen to a lot of preachers. I say, no, I'm not trying to say the wrong. I just, I'm preachered out. I, I want to, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when he speaks, mm-hmm. and you believe it and meditate on it, mm-hmm. and, it, and, and it, takes, it grows life, mm-hmm. it's growing his nature in you. Yeah, that's right. His word is reproducing his nature mm-hmm. in you. That's right. But yeah, you're right. His word is different than other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hey, like I said, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, I think when, you know, it, hey, I, and I basically told you all what I do. That's how I study. That's what I do. I take a book at a time and break it down. And, uh, I, like I said, I'm a big background information person. I'm like, who are these people, and what happened, and why do they say this to Paul, and how do they act this way, and how, what was their relationship with Rome? And I, I know all that, but I just want to know stuff. So I tell you, there's, there's a, I want to get to the place where um, I'll hear someone's, I, I, in a way I am, a lot of times I hear somebody preach something or say something, and I'm thinking, okay, that isn't really totally correct. I said something in my school last week that I heard it, uh, heard, I said something in my school last week, some lady totally confirmed it. And I'm sure some of you know this, possibly, um, that my old pastor, he passed away that I was from, uh, from uh, uh, the church I was at. But he said something one time. He said, you know, and I, can only, I didn't read this for myself, so I'm assuming it's true. But when I was saying this in my class last week one of the late, uh, at my school, one of the ladies said that is absolutely correct, that um, I guess people in the banks, um, in order, when they train people, bankers or people in the banks, to... Um, when they teach them uh, about counter, how to recognize a counterfeit bill. Have you heard this before? Have you all heard this? Yes, heard it Sunday, but you study the real thing first. And you know the real thing until you recognize the counterfeit. You don't study the counterfeit. You study the real thing. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of counterfeit stuff teaching going on out there. You're like, what? And counterfeit, uh, there's a lot of counterfeit, uh, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. We just remember this, y'all. Just remember this, y'all. When I was teaching the, 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 the ministry of the prophets the last two weeks, I said, you know, just remember the, in the early church and how the church got started, the first century church was our example, the, the core of their teaching. And then they may have talked about a lot of things, but it all came back. The core of their teaching is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for our sins, rose three days later, and it's, he, is the only, is, he is the only name under heaven given where men, men can call and be saved. It's all about Jesus. We can talk about a lot of subjects, but it all has to come back to the cross. And there's a lot of churches stop preaching about, they stop preaching against sin, stop preaching about the blood, stop preaching about the cross. The cross 
And the work, the, 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 the hardcore gospel was what was preached central to the, how the church got kicked off. A lot of pastors, a lot of churches have gotten away from the cross and their ministry is about something else. And I said, you know what? It's dangerous because it's all about Jesus. And I had a conversation with a guy years ago and he mentioned to me, he said, well, our church really don't preach a lot about the cross. Our goal is that everybody in the church just gets a touch from the Father. What? I said, dude, I'm going to tell you something. You can have a touch of the Father, and that's how, what you want to call it, all you want. There is no way on earth you're getting around the cross. You know what I'm saying? That cross right there is essential of the, the church, the teaching. Teaching is the center of the cross. Preacher is the teaching of the cross. You can't bypass the cross. You can maybe fool yourself and, and avoid it, but then you might have a whole church full of People who think they're serving the Lord, but they're not. You know, false converts. It's all about the cross. Bob, it's, I would say that, that I've, I've kind of been like that too. And what I think is, they, when they see the cross, instead of seeing a loving father uh -huh. who is willing to endure his son's uh -huh, uh -huh, suffering uh -huh. at the hands of sin and death, uh -huh. right? uh -huh. they see a symbol of shame. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But he basically said we need to get the cross out of the churches and have empty tombs in here instead. Hmm. Because that was the old and we're in resurrection now. Uh -huh. And I thought, bro, what you're saying is incompatible with what Paul <laughs> Yeah, tell us tell that stuff to, to Paul. You know? Don't try to improve on Paul. Yeah. Look, pay closer attention because he's going, oh, you know, you go to Catholic church and you look at the cross and you feel ashamed of yourself and you need to feel deep contrition and it's always cowering. Mm -hmm. I did that to Jesus. It's like, no, look, make that what it is. Yeah. This is not what I did to Jesus. This is how much he loves me. Mm -hmm. This Absolutely. is what he did for me to make me free. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Like, Amen. Like, that'll give you a touch from the Father. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, remember, Paul says, "I know nothing but Jesus and Him crucified." It all, you know. Paul's like, it narrowed down all my messages. I know nothing but Jesus and him crucified. That's all I know. And the preaching of the cross and uh, the, what I call the hardcore gospel, which is basically the truth, is stuff that makes people squirm, you know? Um, the, the stuff that people don't want, the, what makes the devil mad, you know? Start, you know, preaching the cross, man. And, uh, what, and, and like I said, the symbols of his love. And uh, yeah, so... Yeah, that, people uh, think that... That's something that, oh, no, I feel ashamed when I look at that. It's like, that's about removing your shame. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah, I'm tickled if you have it up here. There's a lot of churches that avoid it. And, um, I don't know, I, I just think there's, uh, yeah, I've had... I, I have no idea what these other churches preach, because I'm usually here on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, that's some, that's some crazy stuff out there. That's some crazy stuff. And to be honest, I don't do social media. I think where I get a lot of my information from my wife going, can you imagine? She goes, can you believe this person just put on? And this person supposedly is a Christian, and, and this is the church they go to. I'm thinking, I wonder what they preach over there. You know, so anyway. Well, praise the Lord. I don't know what you're talking about.